Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Kermit the Frog. What the? <laughs> Just kidding, it's me, Vanessa Raglan. Hi, Vanessa Raglan. Hey, Cole. Uh, we've got a really, really cool, interesting guest here today. Yes. Uh, Glamorous. You are a fan of the show Newhart. Uh, and then you were probably a fan of hers. Or just a lot of shows. She's a great character actress, and she's a doll and a half. Yes. So nice. Yes. So before we bring her out yes. of the guest-holding area, <laughs> uh, we just need to take care of a couple of things. Uh, we are completely listener-supported. There is a button on our website, popmyculturepodcast.com, where you can donate. Um, any little bit helps. Every little bit helps. It really does. We do have expenses to keep this running, but um, it's our passion project, and we want to keep doing it, so any help is so appreciated. And uh, there were some awesome people that have been supporting us that donated recently that That's we would right. like to thank here and on the And they get the wonderful gif- gift of us doing something verbally. Yes. So <laughs> here we go. Thank yous in no particular order. Heather. Heather. H is for happy, E is for every, A is for all, T is for truly, H is for harmony, E is for Ebonics, and R is for robust love. That's Heather for you. That's Heather. Next up is Hayden. H is for Heathcliff, his favorite cat. Uh, A is for amazing. Y is for Yo-Yo Ma, his favorite celebrity cellist. Uh, D is for Detroit, where I hail from, but he does not. And N is for ninjutsu, the forbidden martial art. Thanks, Hayden. And now, Matt. M is for mostly hot. A is for... (laughs) Abacadabra. No, A is for abacus. And T is for Titanic. And the other T is for thanks a lot. (laughs) So thanks, Matt. (laughs) Next up is Carolyn or Caroline. You never know how to pronounce it. That's a long one, Cole. C is for Cole, which is my name. (laughs) A is for apple chop. Apple chops, pork chops, and applesauce. A is for applesauce. R is for rutabaga, the most misunderstood vegetable. O is for ali ali oxen free, which you shout out when it's time to go after somebody in hide and seek. L is for linebacker, the most underrated football position. I is for intelligence quotient. N is for Norway. Love them wooden shoes. And E is for Ethernet. Let's connect and check out things on it. Thanks, Caroline. And finally, Carrie. Or Kari. Or Kari. We're not sure which, but this letters we know. K is for kissing, which is what I want to do to you. A is for... A is a hard one. Is it? Um, <laughs> a lot of words. A right. is for albatross. You're the albatross around my neck, but in a good way. R is for rowboat, and I is for iPod. Can we, can we call it? You're the nicest, nice pod. I love that your, your singing voice for things is slightly constipated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, thanks, everybody. Heather, Hayden, Matt, Caroline, and Kari. Um, it really helps, and we really appreciate it. And we also appreciate something that is free, which is going on iTunes, looking up Pop My Culture Podcast, and leaving a positive review. That really helps us to get featured, and it really helps us on our darker days to remember that somehow we're contributing to the world. Right. And if you don't like the podcast... Um, you can find a lot of other hobbies. Yeah, take up uh, taxidermy or baseball card yeah. collection. Um, and finally, uh, we had a t-shirt design contest a little while ago that Len Peralta won and submitted an awesome design. We're still looking into getting those printed, but I think we might have figured it out. So hopefully yep. within the next couple of weeks we'll have those for sale, and they are great. So, um, Guess what I'm doing an impression of? Uh, a, a steamboat. No. Um, Lord of the Flies? The conch. Yeah. All right. Piggy's got the conch, so... <laughs> Don't call me Piggy. <laughs> Screw your asthma. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, all right. Let's 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 get to our guest, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. All right. Boom, boom. Our guest today, you know her from Newhart, Designing Women, and a bunch of other things. Julia Duffy is here. Hi, Julia. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cole. Hi, Charlie. Charles. <laughs> you can call him Charlie. Okay. <laughs> Charles is uh, our guest sound engineer today, as Vanessa's hubby John is out of town. I got a new man in my life. <laughs> hey, Charles. He's not blushing right now. He should be. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't say anything. Anyway, back to Julia. Do you let your husband talk, though? No. No? Absolutely okay. not. Very rarely. He'll occasionally, if, if something needs to be fact-checked on an episode, he'll pull up an iPad and... And he'll Find show the us. The, and like oh, liar. Yeah. yeah. You did not do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we don't acknowledge it. I mean, what's the point? Right? Right. One of us at a time. Seriously. Uh, well, we're really glad to have you here today. Oh, right. I shouldn't nod. I'm, oh, no. You, they, they can hear the nod. They can oh, they hear can? The nod. Okay. We've got very Insert sensitive equipment. Nod. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> right. <laughs> Picks up every little thing. Not just a couple of crappy shore mics on a table. <laughs> it's state of the art. <laughs> Studio. Nodules, like the Lord of the Rings stuff, like Gollum, you know? I didn't, you know, I never saw Lord of, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's kind of what you'd imagine it would be. Epic. I guess. And long. Mysterious. That surprised me, though. Are you into science fiction at all? No. I wouldn't okay. call Lord of the Rings science fiction, though. It's or fantasy. fantasy. You yeah. know what? Science fiction and fantasy are the same thing. No, they are very different. I'm ready to anger thousands of geeks around the planet. There's no science involved in the fantasy things. Well, there's not much science involved in most science Amen. fiction. That's there's true. There's just like, like uh, aluminum foil dresses, from what I understand. <laughs> right. I'm not big into the genre. Yeah. yeah, it's just aluminum foil dresses and rocket cars. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And monsters. People with ugly faces. Not the people. It's makeup. It's monster makeup. Yeah. I'm not insulting the actors. No, I know. Okay, good. Just I did a science that. fiction movie for Roger Corman once. Yeah. Because when you come to town, you just always had, in those days, you had to do a Roger Corman movie first. <clears throat> it was sort of required. And it was in the tiniest studio you've ever seen. And if you see the movie, people are just running back and forth behind <laughs> the same fake rock over and over, just back and forth and back and forth. Oh, my gosh. The entire thing, which was supposed to take place Across this planet, actually across the planetary system, I believe. Whoa, that's an expansive world in a yes. small room. Hey, Corman was good at maximizing his profit margin. At oh, the- yes. <laughs> that was an artful way. He would crank things out. He did a ton of stuff. That's a couple right. of them are cult classics now, like Death Race 2000 and uh, things like that. have kind of gotten some momentum throughout the years. But yeah, it was about how much you could get for your buck. 
Mm-hmm. You also did Wizards and Warriors. Yes, I did. I got to watch some of that this week. It is really exciting. Where'd you get it? On the internet. Bootleg. Yeah. yeah. Well, not bootleg. I don't like to say bootleg. Well, there's no official DVD out, yeah. but there's DVDs all the, over in, the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really has quite yeah. the cult following I and its own website, apparently. Yeah. I found this yeah. whole thing. Because the title, I really have a thing for wizards. Mm-hmm. Not seeing them, just thinking about them a lot. Um, and so hmm. the title got me excited and then I fell into the trap. You got to wear some great outfits. Yeah, I did. It was Whoa. really fun. That is the big so hats. Fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and it came out kind of at when D and Dungeons and Dragons was getting really popular too. Um, Julia would as, know, as, as I guess. <laughs> um, I was not very aware, of the but scene. this y- y- Wizards and Warriors really and honestly was the Princess Bride. Yeah, when the right. Princess Bride was in Turnaround Hell and couldn't get done. Yep. Uh, and actually, with William Goldman's blessing, I guess this was kind of inspired by that, because nobody could get the Princess Bride done at the time. So it sort of took off from there. That's awesome. I hope I'm not telling state secrets. I doubt it. And there's only eight episodes made, right? There are eight, and it was and continued to be for many, many years the most expensive show CBS <gasps> had ever done. No way. Which might be why they were anxious to not renew it. <laughs> <laughs> Where did all the money go? Just the epicness of the whole thing? Um, well, I and mean... your salary. Y- oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the big salary Julius maker. taking it to the bank. Well, I mean, you saw the horses oh, yeah. and the magic and the special effects. That was a big deal for an hour show. Yeah. Roger Corman would have just done it with one rock. I know. He could have done it with one rock and probably one horse. Yeah. <laughs> probably one a, very sh- a Shetland pony. <laughs> That's right. But nowhere near that much humor. It had great jokes in it. We broke the fourth wall before moonlighting, I'd like to Hey-o, say. Hey-oh, there nice. it is. Yeah. No, I loved the sense of humor and the playfulness. I had never seen it, and it was really fun to watch it. It's so spunky. Yeah, it was so much fun to do. That's awesome. And Bill Bixby directed the majority he of the episodes, did. right? He did. I just loved him. That's crazy. And a great cast, too. Jeff Conaway and Duncan Rager and things like that. Yeah. Great stuff. It was a wonderful cast. Really well cast. Maybe eventually they'll put it down on the DVD. The problem nowadays is that now that streaming is so prevalent now and, like, on-demand stuff that, like, now the studios are like, well, there's not really any profit in printing DVDs anymore. I know. things are not going to come out, which is really kind of annoying. I know. They did the first season of New Heart. That's it? That's it? That's it. (gasps) I had no idea. I mean, they might do more, but it's been like two years. It's I been don't a know while. why they'd wait this long. That is bizarre. And yet, I believe you can get every season of um, Trading Spaces or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> These no, reality oh, shows the next week or something, you can get the whole first season. I just don't. That's is that what, a collector's thing? I really don't understand. Like, buying a reality show, like a makeover show, like, you're going to rewatch it? You're just going to watch it one time, and that's it. Like, you will yeah. never. There's not anything. Like, you're like, oh, <laughs> thematically, I feel like the third makeover affected the fifth makeover. Yeah, I saw something new in it the fifth time I watched <laughs> yeah. it. I didn't catch the I first time. discovering new They're things about her mom jeans. You, you yeah. know who won. Yeah, so. yeah it, that would be like picking up a mystery book and just reading the last page five times. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, and we're done. And that really is a shame about Newhart not being out on DVD because the first season so... it was really trying to discover what it was as a show still and it really, I think, got going in seasons two and three is when it kind of became right that show had a much slower start than usual it was on videotape to begin with and then they replaced a couple of actors and just kind of took the the, that part of the story in a different direction and that didn't start until the second year but a lot of shows have growing pains like that i mean most shows 
you know, the first year is not their best year. Right. Because they're they're finding themselves. So to even start and not go further than that, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess sometimes they release it and they just want to gauge the actual interest of it. And the sales numbers, if they aren't there, they don't continue. But what they don't realize, if you go and look at any message board where there's conversations about Newhart and the DVDs, everybody's saying, I loved it. And, you know, in seasons three, two, three, four, like that, I don't care about season one. I just yeah. thought it was okay then. So I don't want to buy season one yeah. or I, maybe I'll buy it if they promise to release the other one. Yeah, they like, usually say, I... I'm not buying until they release yeah. them all. Right, I know. exactly. And so it's like, what's the point? <laughs> Your work on New Art is so good, though. I heard, oh, I don't you. know if this is true, that it started out as more of a day player thing. I did a guest shot oh, playing. Oh, that's it playing Stephanie, but she didn't have that character, those characteristics right. yet. She was sort of a uh, kind of a plot device like most guest stars yeah. are, kind of made everybody feel uncomfortable. I talked about how I wanted to sleep with someone to have the experience <laughs> and made Bob very uncomfortable. But okay. she wasn't really defined at all in yeah. the way she came to be defined because it was only meant to be a guest shot. I was doing Wizards and Warriors. Oh, at the time? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't available and yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. And That's got to be amazing. Wizards though. got canceled, and they on the same hey, day. Bob. Good news <laughs> and bad news. <laughs> That's so amazing, though. Um, what was the work process like on that show? The work process. Mm-hmm. See, just that very phrase would make Bob laugh very hard. The work process. Mostly, we laughed all day, and the directors tore their hair out until we <laughs> settled down and rehearsed seriously, and it was kind of like that. Oh, that and makes me so Every happy. now and then, I we know. were completely dissolved in laughter. Tom would throw his head back and say, and we're getting paid. Oh, <laughs> that is the best. Uh, that, that's the kind of thing that like, you can kind of tell in all great ensemble shows, which Newhart is. Yeah. You can tell when the cast like each other and when they don't sometimes. like Some of the mm-hmm. shows didn't click and you can tell why yeah. because you can it, it just but when they're, they look like they're having a good time like and they generally are then they grow really close as an ensemble and then that just kind of sparks things creatively yeah. Yeah. and then they really pick up steam and you could you know totally tell that on new heart because the the cast is phenomenal and everybody plays off each other great and it was absolutely the, the case we had so much fun and every now and then we'd say i hope the audience has as much fun <laughs> as we're having <laughs> this episode <laughs> and even if they don't, it's okay. Just yeah. keep playing. We're laughing all day long. That's awesome. So I read someplace that you had to do a comedy phone call in a scene across from Bob, which oh. must have been completely nerve-wracking since, you know, he, yes. his initial I had to living do, was on that. In the first season, I had to do a lot of them because I was supposed to be away from home and not really committed to that and calling my parents and telling them what was awful about where I was, how they made me like work and that sort of thing. And every time I had one of those phone calls, he'd stop and watch me. (laughs) And it made me so self-conscious. And one time I said, stop it. Stop (laughs) watching me. And he said, it's not as easy as it looks, is it? And I said, it's really not. (laughs) Because you'd have to do the acting thing of listening to what the person right. is saying on top of the comic timing. So you've got this extra right. thing that you have to do with your timing and your pauses. It's way tricky. Yeah. Especially to make it seem realistic as if somebody's on the other line. Because yeah. that's mm-hmm. one of the things I find a lot of actors get wrong is the phone call thing. E- even more so than – I think the other thing that maybe they get wrong more is driving. Because I always feel like they – like they're constantly moving their hands too much. Right. Like the car yeah. would be wor- swerving all over the place. Yeah. Like, wiggle, 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 wiggle. Also waking at, waking up. Oh, Actors yeah. are just horrible at waking yeah. up. Yeah. I I just had a flashback of my worst wake up <sighs> scene that um 
and I really like this movie, but in Stepmom. Do you guys remember Julia Roberts waking up in the apartment? I barely uh, remember Stepmom. No. <laughs> I love Stepmom. I'm a big fan. But there, it was like, I was young when I saw it, and I remember thinking, like, what is that what happens when you become, like, a grown-up lady? Like, she was lying there looking so beautiful, and her lips were, like, way far from her face, and she just, like, came awake. And it was the weirdest, like, prettiest, creepiest moment, and I just thought that's not what happens to me. No. At all. But... On a screen 30 feet across, you got to do it pretty. Yeah, oh, and it is. And then she licks her lips. Not that I've watched that scene like a million times because I haven't, because that would be stupid <laughs> and weird. Yeah, <laughs> that would be dorky yeah, no. if you'd done that. I didn't do that, so. I guess that's like the most common scene in like first time screenwriters, especially. They constantly start their things with like an, an alarm, alarm sounds yeah. and a hand reaches over and yeah. hits it. And like, that's like. For a reader, if they're reading it, if they see that, they just put the script down and move on from it immediately because they tell you not to do that. And so many right. people do it. Yeah. Which it's actually kind of what drives me crazy about, um, and I know you hate reality TV, but in Project Runway, the start of every episode is them getting up in the morning and getting ready for the day. I was like, can we just start later than this? Well, the I, problem, <laughs> I would say, with Project Runway right now is that it's 90 minutes. It is. It's way too long. It's an hour-long show. I mean, like, it should be an hour-long show. And I am... I am a slut on TV. I will watch what they serve me and make fun of it and think that it's horrible, but, you know, edible. Um, but I like the design shows where you get to see people with real talent and they're, they end up somewhere. But I don't like the way they're trying to turn Project Runway now. They're trying to sort of milk it into one of those trashier shows, you know, by, like, inviting drama in that doesn't need to be there. So it's not about the talent anymore. It's about this petty... Oh, so they're making conflict. Yeah. And non-actors have to act like they're conflicted exactly. about things. And it's like, let's yeah. just look at them working on stuff. They're really talented, most of them. They bring in they bring in more and more designers now. So they have at least three or four of there who like are marginally talented at best but have big but personalities. But have really sassy so personalities. Click with, or, you know, clash with yeah. other people in the house, thus creating drama. I feel like you're talking about Bert right now. <laughs> yeah, Bert a little bit. Yeah. Bert, sweet. So, yeah, guys. there's just way too much of that. Yeah. Um. And there's one other thing, reality TV-wise, we should just check in on, and then we'll get way far away from reality TV. Our, our hearts are going to cry uh, this next time. There's a show, Toddlers and Tiaras, which is about pageant kids. Baby pageants. Baby pageants. Oh. Like, and it only gets worse. You think it's bad now, <laughs> no. it's about this to go downhill fast. On the latest episode, one of the moms dressed their daughter, Paisley, as Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman. Her three-year-old like daughter. little hooker. Wow. Wearing the boots and the short skirt and a wig. Uh, in, in a pageant thing, so yeah. like, hey, and the announcer's like, it's Paisley, it's Pretty Woman, and all, and then it's like Pretty Woman, what? and then like a three-year-old comes out, and all the moms are like clapping along. It is the most disturbing. Well, first of all, she named her daughter Paisley, Paisley. and I then know. she did that. <laughs> <laughs> we already knew it. I was off to a bad. So, <laughs> does child services hang around that show? That'd be a good place. To it yeah. would be. Well, a good here's place the to thing. Hover. Now is that mom because there was such a big deal was made of this once it happened, um, and news outlets picked it up, all sorts of stuff. Now that mo- mother is getting death threats from people <laughs> because of that, which is like. Wow. An even more extreme yeah. reaction to something oh, that was... We're really fostering a healthy... Tasteless, but... Youch. <laughs> <laughs> but, and a lot of people are just giving... It was a TLC, I think the yeah. channel is on. They're giving them a lot of flack for even showing it in the first place. Like, oh. Well, of course they showed it to do what's happening now to yeah. make insanity ensue. But can I say, how far ahead of time was the Truman Show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How did he Crazy. nail that? It seemed so out there. I know. It, 
doesn't seem out there at all. Now, if you made that movie now, it wouldn't seem so out there. Well, same thing like, with um, Albert Brooks's movie Real Life, yep. which was one yeah. of his first movies too, which I guess was just parodying that PBS documentary mm-hmm. at the time. But you know, he be- and, and the joke on his thing is that it's supposed to be reality, but he keeps inserting himself into things to get the results that he wants. And yeah. now it's so much like that because the producers manipulate everything. everything is manipulated. So there's not yeah. any sort of reality to it except no. for that these people were just normal people that filled out a form Not initially. Not normal people. Um, yeah, okay. more or less. But they were just, you know, they weren't <laughs> yeah. like in SAG or right. Actors Audition. They were, you know, some of them probably are. They wanted to be famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they wanted to be famous and this is their way. And in. they have writers. They all have yeah. writers. They all have writers and story editors. And like, yeah. it's the worst when you're watching a reality show and there's continuity issues. Because you're like, seriously? Like you reshot the argument halfway through? Tisk tisk reality shows. I know, but if people keep watching them, I know I'm part of the problem. If you want to watch part of the talented team. people on TV, then don't there's, watch reality. There's shows. a lot of good shows on too, but the summers are hard, aren't they? They are hard. Yeah, there's a lot I miss in the summer. <sighs> I'm getting excited for like Modern Family to come back mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of shows. And but the and my good ones just ended. Breaking Bad is about to be done now for the summer, and it's such a great show. Um, yeah, it seems like the you wait for these shows to come back forever, and then they kind of have these shortened seasons, yeah, like eight episode seasons, seasons yeah. or whatever. So it comes back, and you get all excited and into it, and then it goes away again for like yeah. eight months. And they like, do that oh. a lot on cable. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but I guess they can get away with it. Yeah. They say, I've only got eight in me, and then... And that everyone's works. like, okay. Okay, fine. We'll do <laughs> yeah, it. That's what you got. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I think it might also have to do, because cable is a subscription-based service, that if they spread it out over more time, you got to pay monthly for it. Oh, so right. So people keep You're absolutely paying right. into oh. the machine as opposed to, like, to you think The like answer is always connected to money, isn't it's it? It's always money. They yeah. give you just enough. Yeah, the first one's free. You know, a little bit of a taste. <laughs> there you go. First one's free. You hungry? In. Are you hungry? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, speaking of cable, Entourage just ended on Sunday, which uh, is if you've never seen it, it's a pretty terrible show. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it. But either. they um, they wrapped up the entire show in an eight episode season and really wrapped it up in one thirty minute episode. Like every little plot thread, just all of a sudden was like, and they're happy, and they're happy. It was like the wow. worst, most. But contrived. for everything I've heard about that show, and I okay, I have seen part of one. I just found it to be. Like glorifying reprehensible people, it really is. But then you you were telling me about the finale, and every every like douchebag ends up with his golden ticket to paradise. Yeah, there's it's, no repercussions. It's like the super happy ending thing for these. Like, let's all get married. Yeah, and go basically to Paris. everybody ends up settling down, and and it's just it's just terrible. Just it's, like in Hollywood, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> that's always what it's done is uh, reflect the business. So, yep, there it is. Right. <laughs> oh, entourage. Mm. Um, let's, let's go back to Newhart for a little bit. We kind of okay. got off of that really fast. Okay. So, um, to go back. the, the cast again, phenomenal. And yeah. you got seven, seven Emmy nominations for your work on that. I did. That's crazy. That's, That's great. Amazing. Congratulations. And Golden Thanks. Globe nominations. Uh-huh. A Golden Globe and then those comedy awards. Yeah. Were, have you always been a comic? No. Or a comedic actress? No. I mean, I did Juliet early on. Did you make it real funny, though? I didn't. (laughs) I didn't at all. I think eventually I realized that if I was going to compete, I should be funny. Yeah. Because uh, there were girls who were, you know, taller and had higher cheekbones than me. And a lot of them could make tears at the audition. Yeah. So I needed to set myself apart. And I learned 
quickly that if you make them laugh, it doesn't matter how they described the character yep. physically, they don't care. They'll cast the person that makes them laugh the yeah. hardest. So it was survival. That's a great survival tactic because it is, I mean, then and now especially, it's a super oversaturated market. And you read yeah. these character breakdowns that are like, you know, three words that describe the person and you can go into a room and everyone is that person, you know? So you have it's to... It's amazing. The sheer numbers yeah. for, it's, at least in the younger, they don't tend to be showing up in my age range, new people, but the sheer numbers of competition are amazing. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of quirky redheads. Everything. Yeah. Quirky redhead. You but look you see, now like, you've got the internet and yeah. people know how to get into show business. Yep. It doesn't seem like this weird thing that you could never figure out. Or when, even a pipe dream or like that. Right. No, it's when like, I grew up, you had to be really obsessed to yeah. find out exactly what to do and how to start. If you came from somewhere other than New York and L.A., there was nothing laid out for you as right. far as how to do it. Now they tell you where to live, how to contact the yeah. agents. I mean, there's a whole how-to thing, and they but all know how to do results it. results in, like, super, super crazy numbers of people, yeah. like, and a whole new way to navigate. Well, it really does, but also, it's like, you can get exposure for yourself so fast now, because you can film anything on a cheap little flip camera, and you can yep. put it on YouTube, and get people to see it, and somebody might see it in the entertainment industry and think that you're right for something, and call you in, and boom. Like I know, it's a little, that, that's kind of the balance to the other thing that's happened, is the sheer numbers, but yep. you also have this kind of democratic thing happening. Yeah. Which is the, speaking of reality shows, the only one I ever truly approved of was American Idol. I have to tell you, I don't watch it, but I like the idea that people were voting on people because of their voices. Yeah. Because to get a record deal when you didn't look good in, you know, whatever, spandex and lace or something right. was hard. And so I always liked that sort of democratic thing where yeah. talent would out. No, and it's exciting, too. I those The talent shows I do not have the great disdain for. I have a hard time keeping up with any kind of competition show. But um, So You Think we, You Can Dance? We were watching and writing about that. And that's fun to watch because it's just these dancers doing it because they want to dance and mm -hmm. that's like inspiring to watch they have the prize package isn't even really good and they have a really short career like shelf life um but the thing is is everybody who makes the top like 10 or so on that show goes on and gets in dance troops and just gets work gets yeah. a career out of it yeah so um, that art form is just becoming more you know solid and right stable yeah. and paying off yeah. because there's that outlet so you've worked with george clooney a couple of times i have um, oh yeah <laughs> You knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, so you did. You did the first season of Baby Talk, which was uh, basically the TV version of Look Who's Talking. Yeah, it was. They, I mean, that was what they they actually bought that and turned it into Baby Talk. Oh, yeah. And the cast was really great in season one. You had William Hickey, you had George Clooney, uh, Tony Danza. I think was the voice of the baby. Right. Um, and this is this is pretty early for Clooney. Um, but he had to be incredibly charismatic and charming even back in that day. It was pre-Silver Fox-ness. He was oh, just, yes. He was just... <laughs> yes. No, 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 Fox there was no silver. I think he was about 29. Mm. And uh, he had hair down to his shoulders and uh, wore shorts all the time and sang Frank Sinatra songs all day and was never serious for a moment. That oh, was George. Oh, my gosh. He was very, very funny. And he never, ever stopped screwing around. <laughs> Just, he, he was absolutely hilarious. Oh, my gosh. What a dreamboat. It seems to me like he's the kind of guy that, like, would, 
the attitude he's had because he, you know, people think that he was like an overnight success, but he was not oh, yeah. at long all. Time. He worked forever. Yeah. No, he was your basic bitter actor when I worked with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talking about his auditions. And right. The ones that he didn't get. And My out times change, George. Yes. My Supposedly, I just read this, change. that he was up for Brad Pitt's role in Thelma and Louise and lost it to Brad Pitt. And then couldn't watch that movie for a couple of years afterwards oh. because he was pretty close to it. And, you know, then it became this giant star making role for Brad. Right. And now they're great friends. Yeah. But really I think Brad, that. I think Brad deserves that. If we can all cast our minds back to the topless scene in the hotel room. Brad, as an actor, really worked for those abs. <laughs> and I support him. Back then, 100%. He, was an, he was an abter back then. <laughs> I think he's still kind of an abter. Actually. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. That is not quitting. But then you worked with Clooney again. Yes. Intolerable cruelty. Right. And uh, then there was a little silver foxness happening. Yes, that's right. I'm was he a totally changed years, man? Not one even tiny bit changed. <laughs> oh, he was exactly so the same George. That's awesome. You could find no difference at all. Mm. He was just as funny. He, had, he was a giant star, and he had his makeup done in the makeup trailer with everybody else. Uh, not in his own trailer. Not that that's really a diva thing yeah. to do, because you can understand why people want to sort of... You know, have their focus. Or yeah. yeah, have their quiet time. Um, yeah, hung out with the crew. Said, sit down if you walked by him with your lunch tray, and he was just still George. Oh, that's so. You great couldn't to hear. change him somehow. He he always sort of knew who he was. Yeah, which is I think the reason he left Baby Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was a troubled show, and uh, it wasn't a close call for him. If people weren't treated well, he spoke up. Yeah, yeah, that's when he'd get serious, and he's still like that from everything you hear. But yeah, he's going to say it. If something's wrong, he's going to say it. Even when he was kind of a nobody. Right. He spoke up. Well, that's really admirable. I mean, very admirable. And that's something just knowing a lot of actors that is not common. Like not many people would put themselves on the line for someone else if their job had anything to do with it. You know, he absolutely, I, I can't imagine him tolerating any sort of bad vibe on the set mm. he's he just would never make anyone that uncomfortable but boy he'll speak up if yeah. somebody's not behaving Ooh, mm-hmm. diva george but not diva. no but <laughs> i'm like just talking about george. people Goodness, in positions yeah. of authority that don't treat actors well without naming names yeah because you know i think set harmony makes a big difference in a lot oh, of ways absolutely. too because i've you know i've not done a lot of stuff but some of yeah. the things and i've guessed it on things where yeah. You could tell that the set's kind of a nightmare, and the crew just like are rolling their eyes the whole time. They can't wait to get out because there's egos clashing all over the place. And then you go on some sets where it's where like everybody loves each other, everybody's having a great time, mm-hmm. laughing and having fun, and, like, and they're sharing ideas. Like that makes such a difference too. When you have it to the place where your actors are comfortable communicating and playing, then you're going to get a show that feels well, yeah. This is supposed playful. to be a collaborative business. Right. That's right. the best part of it when it works yeah. that way. Not a bunch of puppets. No. Because I did, I did a couple of episodes a show. of Nash Bridges because I lived in San Francisco, and that was the show that filmed there. Yeah. <laughs> so they cast all the guest stars and five hundreders there, and that was a weird set because Don Johnson was at the height of his like crazy egoness there, and like, and he was fine to the other actors, which was great, but he would just scream at the crew, yeah, oh. to the point where like. At one time, it was taking them a while to set up a shot, and he was like, "What is taking so long?" Oh, he's screaming no, at them, I and then the stories. director comes over and he's like, "Well, we're we're trying to light the set because it's a nice push in close up for you." And he's like, oh, "Okay, take whatever time you need," because it was for his close up. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! Yikesies! 
And there was also the rumor that he wouldn't cast any guys. He had the ultimate say in the casting, so he would watch the tapes, and any man that he felt threatened by or felt was more attractive than him, he would not let them cast. Yowza. Wow. I don't know if that is true. I just heard that. Let's start some rumors also, here. Also, the only uh, oh. thing I've ever worked on where I had to read a three-page uh, don't sexually harass people clause and sign it. Oh, weird. yeah, I've had to do that several times lately. It's Maybe weird. it's more of a prevalent thing now, but this is like 10 years ago or whatever, and like, I'd like, never seen it before. Who are you going to sexually harass? Well, there was a thing that happened with on an Aaron Spelling show, and then Aaron Spelling started making, and somebody brought a big lawsuit, yeah. which may or may not have been frivolous. I forget the details. It was yeah. a big deal at the time. And so then, whenever you did an Aaron Spelling show, you had to sign this thing. He made everybody sign it. And now it's much more widespread. You know what? Well, I don't know if this... Okay, I am about to admit something so embarrassing. I'm not showing myself in the most intellectual light today, but I've been having insomnia lately. And when you can't sleep... Sometimes you end up reading, but I don't want to read real thinkers. So this weekend I read Tori Spelling's autobiography, <laughs> Storytelling. Uh-huh. Um, surprisingly, a fun read. <laughs> it, you learned a lot. Her, I mean, her family is so crazy. Like, her dad's legacy, all the shows who's doing. But maybe it was coming from something from Shannon Doherty because she was talking about on um, the set of 90210, there was some, some big breakdown that eventually made a whole bunch of paperwork happen. Um, cause she was getting crazy on the set. Oh, so who knows? Maybe I think, I think on Nash is because he had gotten like somebody had filed a complaint against him. Oh, and I think that's what it kind of like there. Look, look, Nash? We're, we're an enlightened set. Yeah. Against Nash. Like it's the character. <laughs> yeah. Not Nash, Johnson. Yeah, yeah. The actual character. Nash, Nash Bridges. Bridges was getting handsy. He's not very good at uh, police work and he's handsy. Um, yeah. In the so. scene where we were supposed to make out, he tried to kiss me. Uh, so I'm bringing a lawsuit. <laughs> so if you could just but give me a million me. dollars. My character is bringing a lawsuit. I'm that far in <laughs> that I can't so get out of I'm so method it. right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, and then Baby Talk just it did two seasons total, the f- and the second had like a completely different cast because um, uh, I guess it initially uh, hadn't done very well or it did well in the ratings initially, and then it kind of fell off. It did quite surprisingly well. Yeah, and because it was a difficult show to do, uh, and then George left, and so it was kind of even harder because I didn't have that person. Yeah, you know, uh, making jokes all day long. Uh, I really was a little sad when it did so well. Right. And so they brought on brand new producers who were really great guys. And I said, you know, since you're starting from scratch and you're going to make it, you know, new, why don't I just go? (laughs) (laughs) And then I was offered Designing Women, but that... It really, I'm sure everybody in the world thought it was because I was offered Designing Women, but I actually had yeah. not heard a word about that. I just felt it was time to move on. It had been such a difficult year. And I'm sure they were perfectly happy to be able to revamp the show because right. producers love to do their own new thing yeah. when they come right, in, yeah, yeah. you know, the writers. So. so speaking of Designing Women, that was season six when you came on, I believe? Hmm. You got to be a sugar baker. You were. Yeah, I think it was season six. Sugar baker. I honestly can't remember. Oh, man. What a show. Big fan of Designing Women. Really big fan. I think that was maybe the show I watched the most growing up because... Was it on a lot? Maybe at that time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on a lot. And for I had me, such a crush on Dixie Carter. 
Did you really? Yeah, I love oh, her. Yeah. How can you not have a crush on her? I know. She's, she, she's kind of the ultimate woman. Yeah, she is a powerhouse. She's like beautiful and feminine, but right. still totally in control. I know. There was something about being on that show, but not being on the show, working with those actresses yeah. that was kind of like, you know, it sounds so corny, but they taught me more about being a woman. Yeah, what a great cast, too. Yeah. That's another amazing Yeah, they ensemble. were fabulous. That was very worthwhile for the yeah. cast. Well, and it's one of the few shows, too, that is literally centers on several strong women. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. And was successful. And it was yeah. so unusual then because women weren't in leads. Now they are a lot. Yeah. It was really rare for women to be leads then at all. Right. And then there were four that And were, the way so. they did it, I mean, Annie Potts, too. It was just like all these... It was. It was these strong women. And in the way, I mean, I think of the other female ensembles that have come after that. And there's like the one that immediately springs to mind as a female ensemble is Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. And that's a totally different kind of thing. But I love the way that show was just these empowered, smart women. And they had, it seemed maybe like if somebody pitched it to me, I wouldn't see all the places the comedy could go. But they kept finding yeah. new ground. It was really great. Yeah. Well, you could, with that cast, you really could go anywhere. Yeah. What was the experience on that set like, or the tone? The tone? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I had come on after the show. It had a lot of problems. Yeah. And so I, I would say that people were uh, a little tense, not with right. each other, but about the situation general, that had right. gone on. But all I can say is that whatever was going on, I've never seen such professional actors. It was amazing sometimes under circumstances of, not having a script yeah. for very long and that kind of thing, the performances they delivered. It was kind of breathtaking. It was sort of a new level of professionalism that was very valuable to me, uh, just to my own, I don't know, forming myself. It was valuable well, in that way. Well, about those performances feels almost like stage performances. You know what I mean? The, the approach feels more earnest and dramatic almost than I guess the pacing of a lot of shows now. Well, and and when you've got the sort of Southern woman thing going on, you have people who are not holding back from their fabulousness. (laughs) The night the lights went out in Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it was like growing up. I, I, I watched it because this is kind of weird, but I was a big fan of mannequin when I was a kid and I loved me such Taylor. So that was like why I started watching that show. Oh God. Is he truly like the funniest guy in the world? Really funny. What is he doing now? You know, I don't even know. I don't know. We should find out. We will find we'll get out. Get on the show. We'll find no, out. Yeah, he was awesome. So, 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 so funny. Yeah, so great. So great. You were a big fan of Mannequin. I Can love we Mannequin back it when back? it came out. Yeah. I don't know what Mannequin, mannequin is. Mannequin was that um, Andrew McCarthy and a Kim Cattrall movie where she was a store mannequin who came to life at night um, only for oh. him. And Misach <laughs> Taylor played um, Hollywood, who was like this fabulous window dresser who worked with him. And was like the total kind of yeah. over the top caricature comedic relief. But right. He played him so well; it was really, really funny. And I just—that's the reason yeah. I started watching the show. He, he's originally. just killer funny. I did that once, by the way, when I worked in a dress shop. <gasps> we sat in the window and pretended we were mannequins. Oh my gosh! And I worked with a girl who uh, really kind of looked like a mannequin. She sort of had those features and that that very opaque skin, and she's very pretty and kind of. Blandly pretty, you yeah. Know? And so she put on one of the outfits and sat in the window very still. And then we would move, and then people would laugh. <laughs> and she made a woman scream bloody murder. Oh, and then we realized we gosh. shouldn't play that game anymore. <laughs> Our boss never found out. <laughs> That's a really good game, though. I like it. Yeah, she she looked like she was going to have a heart attack. This lady, when she moved. So then it was not funny anymore. <laughs> the game changed. 
Just back to yeah. selling the dresses. <laughs> what, uh, what was it like working with the Coen brothers? An intolerable. Oh, um, the Coen brothers are very, very laid back. And they're a lot of fun. They kind of weren't like working with anybody else because they're just so laid back. Yeah. You know, the makeup person did makeup tests with me and they said, I don't know, she looked fine at the audition. <laughs> Oh, my well, gosh. I love Really, that. I didn't do all this for the audition. I was <laughs> playing this kind of extreme person. And so I would try to talk to them about the character, and they go, oh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess. All right, fine. And they liked the camera. They were very, uh, they stayed really close to the camera. They are very yeah. visual. And I swear to God, they flipped a coin when an actor wanted to talk about acting. I'll bet you anything. Who had to go talk to the actor about it? <laughs> but they were very fun. And I, the, the question I was asked constantly by people, because everybody's a huge fan of theirs, yeah. is which one really does the directing? And I literally could not answer that question until I went to the premiere and saw who had the directing credit, and it was Ethan. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that until <laughs> I saw the screening and saw the credits. That's so funny to hear they're so laid back because their films are so... Like the worlds are so specific, and it feels like it feels like you've been put into this whole manipulated place. Like it's yeah. it's so transported. I think they just do a ton of pre-production work. They I mean, must. Oh, it's all storyboard. Storyboard yeah. so they come much. In. Yeah. So, uh, and they let me do anything, any kind of improv, anything I came oh, up that's with. Awesome. But I couldn't do anything different than the shot because it was storyboarded. Oh, that, right. They're so visual. That was already laid out. So that's you know you have to somehow. Fit it in. You have right. a lot of freedom, and yet it must it needs fit to the shot. go right into yeah. the right shot. Yeah, I think they're the kind of directors that are like, look, we cast you. We trust actors. Like, right. That's how they <laughs> Make are. Make it happen. You know, you're right for the part. You can you can speak the lines. Oh. Just uh, inflect them how you want. And if it's really, <laughs> really awful, you know. <laughs> but otherwise. Well, who was it, Scorsese, that plans out every shot, like, pixel by pixel, like, completely? And then once he has everything right and everything lit by the grid, he's like, do whatever you want. <laughs> just lets them play, but it is such a visual. Yeah. There's apparently just so many ways to direct. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And so you become, I'm sure you've both experienced it, very self-reliant because you just have to be. Yep. And then when somebody comes along and directs you and and they're really good at directing you, you go, oh. One less job for me right okay, now. Okay, <laughs> I guess I can give myself over to this. It always takes a while yeah. to do that. And you've done a lot of stage work, too. Including Broadway. I have. <laughs> well, not, not Broadway, not, not musicals. But. I think I would always introduce myself as like, oh, I was on Broadway. Just, oh. just to get it in there. Yeah, that'd be nice to do that. Maybe, I don't know, you when I'm older it, yeah. and I can say whatever I want, yeah. maybe I'll say stuff like that. Hey, did you see me on Broadway? Yeah. The <laughs> Broadway? Hello, Julia Duffy from Broadway. From Broadway. That's how you Broadway's <laughs> Julia Broadway's Duffy. Broadway's Julia Duffy. <laughs> It was just one show, so I don't know that I can say that. She can. <laughs> Please. Um, but that, just doing those two worlds of film and stage, do you feel like you have a strong preference, or is it just so different? Right now I have kind of a strong preference for stage. Yeah. Because the roles for women my age, so tired of saying the phrase women my age, but it comes up a lot. Mm. Um, they're just so great. This is when yeah. they get really good in yeah. the theater. And uh, in the theater, I'm like a totally different type than I right. ever was up until now. And that's so interesting. It's like starting all over and discovering things. And 
on film, somehow I'm like not totally a different type or something right. from what I used to be. Or it's a little harder to decide what to be in a different age range yeah. on film and nobody kind of knows what to do with you now that you've because you're the shifted thing. over yeah. into a different type because of your age. And it's all very fraught like that. And, and also when you audition for a play, uh, usually the person who gives the best reading gets the part. Which right. Is a very interesting <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. And I like that. That is a nice yeah. kind of thing. Your talent actually has something to do with it. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Not that you can... I mean, film and TV are visual mediums. They right. just are. And yeah. Of course. Obviously, you usually you need to make that impression quickly as right. to who that person is. And I'm sure I would do the same thing if I were casting as go with yeah. the person who's very you much that. You have to, just for what it is. But it is a good feeling when it's like, you know what, I can go in and I can do this audition yeah. and that's what's going to get me. Right. Yeah. And from the distance of the stage, Any, it'll, I can right. it'll be anything. believable yeah. because yeah. we'll make me look that way. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you do commercials, it's like the exact opposite world. It's like you go in with a hundred guys that are roughly your same thing. And then if you're like one of the 10 people that have the specific ish look that the casting director and the client want, then it's like, can I deliver that those two lines slightly funnier than those other nine Or even guys. just that expression. Huh? Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. Do a little knowing look or whatever. I think that commercials are the most soul-crushing things out there. Well, commercial auditions because they have barcodes now. Like, yep. you just have a barcode. They, and they scan, scan you? Your barcode. Mm-hmm. Like your orange juice or eggs. What barcode? Where? On your person? A barcode? Uh, yeah. You print it out. You print it in your skull. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when <laughs> you're born? <laughs> <laughs> we all have them, Julia. <laughs> didn't know that. So they scan you in your barn and then they go, actor, <laughs> accountant. It's all predetermined. No, you just print it off um, from the casting thing. It's like, all Basically, wow. it's actually smart because it's green in a sense because you're not bringing printed headshots and resumes every audition. Yeah. They all have it digitally and they scan it and it brings up your stuff for them. So you're not going through mountains and mountains of headshots and resumes, which then just get trashed. Which just, is, when you put it that way, it's great. But when it's happening, you feel like... One of many, many grocery items, and your date is up. Wow. Beep, 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 See, beep. I find it Ugh. to be the exact opposite. I don't find it soul crushing at all because I literally know that my talent has very little to do with it when I'm going in for a commercial. I find it harder it's when all you're abs. going for a Cole part that you're, at, that you're really, it's really based on your acting, and then you don't get it. That's a little harder. That's a little yeah. like, oh, I guess I'm not good enough for this part. Now, do you not go up for certain products? Um, <gasps> you, not, not at this point. Uh, there definitely have been some auditions where I've been like, what am I doing here? <laughs> How about you? vegan, and they asked me to go for a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Oh. And I was like, I can't do it. But then, I didn't get the commercial, so it doesn't matter. I decided I would do it, because then whatever I got paid, I could donate half of it to there animal training. So mm-hmm. I think there's always ways like that to make your morals flexible enough for you to be a bad good person, or a good bad person. <laughs> we used to, in the 70s, when we were all having our consciousnesses yep. raised, <laughs> nobody would do tampon commercials. I'm sure that waiting rooms were, you know, very few people because most women would not do any feminine products, right. and and I wouldn't do those. I've never. The very first to do thing that. I ever booked, and I may have told this before on the podcast. I don't know the genital warts thing. No, it's similar to that though. <laughs> I never did a genital warts. Oh, thing, but okay. thank you. I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, it was, and this was literally like I was just getting my agent, and I was on my second interview with my commercial agent in yeah. San Francisco, and they're like, "Well, he had to cancel because of a family thing, but we submitted you for this audition. Go on it." And I booked it the very first thing I auditioned for. So then, of course, they signed me. So it right. was a good thing. But it was a commercial for gonorrhea awareness oh, no. in high schools. Oh, cool. So what it was was. 
was. I thickly was on the better side of this thing, but it would show groups of like teenagers walking in a hallway, and the voice would be like, "One out of every four teenagers has gonorrhea or whatever." Was it you? And then it wasn't me. One of the people <laughs> would would fade to black and white, while the other people stayed in color. I stayed in color because I wasn't the gonorrhea kid. But oh, then you know, yet so, yeah. so they, they cast like twelve <laughs> principals in this for the different shots or whatever. So like four of them got turned to black and white. Oh, and no. Thankfully, it wasn't me. But it was just weird to say like, "Yeah, my first commercials for gonorrhea awareness thank you very much i'm aware of it i did have my entire commercial career pay off at one point though <gasps> what happened i did a vitamin commercial that was directed by richard avedon which was the coolest thing in the world oh my it was gosh. so cool to work with him and just to be able to say i worked with richard avedon that was is awesome nuts. and i took a picture of him yeah you did i wanted him to take a picture of me <laughs> but <laughs> I did, like a, I did a sprint commercial with Steve Young, you know, the quarterback for the Niners. Um, Weird. Which you wouldn't know. But, I uh, would not know that at it all. It was directed by Bob Giraldi, who – he's infamous because he directed the Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial where his car caught oh. fire. But he also directed the movie Hiding Out with John Cryer, which when I was a teenager was like my favorite movie. Aww. And then I was on this, this set of this commercial and, you know, then I found out it was Bob Geraldi. I was like, oh, he directed Hiding Out. And I was this like towel boy kid that basically is like supposed to be in the locker and Steve Young picks up a phone that's got some bogus guy calling trying to get him to switch services. And he puts it down on the towel. Then I take it and put it in the hamper. Nailed and it. then you hear the guy on the phone go, what's that smell or whatever as it's being it's a really stupid commercial. And then he's given a sprint Because it's like, like he can smell through the phone? But uh, the, for some reason, that like they needed to get the shot that the towels would go inside the hamper, but you could still see the phone. And every time I would drop it in the hamper, the towel would close over it. There was like no way to get it to balance that way. And he started getting really frustrated about it. He's like, can't the kid set it down or whatever? And I was just like, Ugh. and I, I had And I was going to gush over hiding out to him. And then afterwards, I was like, I don't think I'm his favorite person right now. So Aww. I'm not going to do it. I finally got to work, but I literally had to set it down. I couldn't drop it. That was like the key we finally figured out after a Thank while. Thank goodness you cracked it. And then we got it. it, and it was fine. Get but. the <laughs> towel in the hamper, or you'll never work in this it, town. It, that's Get literally what it felt like. Town. And going into it, too, they had two of us. They're like, we're, we're going to decide on set which one of you is going to be <gasps> the principal. That's a horrible mind game. Really terrible. Me and this other kid. And they decided on me. So I was like, yay, I'm a principal in this thing. And then. And that the, other when, kid, incidentally, is the one that had gonorrhea in your first commercial. But to make matters worse, commercial comes out. I see it all the time. It was like on the Super Bowl, all sorts of other stuff, too, right? I get downgraded to an extra in it. Aww. And you look at the commercial, and it shows. The back, like the back two thirds of my head, like profile people I didn't know that were calling me. Like I saw your commercial. I did not tell I got this commercial. You can see me profile enough, but for some reason it was right on the border of being an extra or being Mm. in the commercial. So they downgraded me. And I'm in college. I have loans and all sorts of stuff too. And then my agent submits it to the union, and the union's like, "Well, it's close, but no." You know this whole thing. I was like, "Look, Sprint is a bajillion air. (laughs) This is nothing to them." I'm like trying to get through college, and this would have been like. You know, oh, this man. is back when commercials actually made you money. Now they don't. But Paul's going through a lot today. That would have been yeah. like 50K plus for a college kid. <laughs> a lot of kid. emotional baggage. And yeah. So, okay, Bob Giraldi, you're if you're listening, great. I really like hiding out. But, but you didn't have the best Well, this will make you feel even worse about commercials. My husband has the topper story. He did a commercial with Claude Chabrol in Paris. <gasps> he got to go to Paris yes. for the commercial? Yes. Oh. And work with Claude Chabrol. Oh, my gosh. And they he take, wins. like, two-hour lunches and drink wine. Oh. How does he get Very that cool. audition? I don't feel like that's not a bar- barcode audition. No, that was <laughs> long. It was a long time ago. That is another world. I didn't get to go with him. Have you all. ever had any of those moments, like he was talking about, those unexpected cuts where you see something and you're like, oh, that's what they did to my part? Or Oh, yes, all the time. Everybody has that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's pretty upsetting. 
We'll get them back. That's right. Yeah, we'll show Someday. them. Yeah, just wait. Well, let's, uh, let's do first. Let's do we? them. Right, this is the thing so we fun. do every podcast. It's a different first question, like the first movie you saw in the theater, the first concert you ever went to, whatever. We're 54 wow. in now, so they're getting a little different. But Our questions are getting less and less interesting. But <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Uh, what was the first movie that you loved so much as a kid or later that you saw it three or more times in the theater? And if you haven't seen anything that many times in the theater, what was the first repeater that you can remember? Well, I doubt if I had the ability when I was a kid to see a movie a second time. Yeah. To get there or to have the money. So I, I doubt that it ever happened. Um, it would have been a Haley Mills movie, probably, if I could have oh, seen yeah. one more than once. Ooh. And I also remember To Kill a Mockingbird was awesome. Oh, yeah. I would have seen that three times if I could have. Yeah, it was a great, great film. Holds yeah. up and so well. Trap. Um, I also would never have been allowed to see a movie more than once in the theater <laughs> or had the money to do it. But I remember watching over and over... A little movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> well, that's very thing, familiar. Right? Oh, horses. Yeah, horses, yeah. Okay, I know she what dives. That is. She's blind, but she right. dives with the horses into the pool. Man, and there's a love interest. What doesn't that movie have? But a movie that I will watch like yearly as a grown up is Local Hero. I haven't I love seen that. that movie. It's great. What is it? It's uh, Burt Lancaster, Peter Rieger. It's directed by Bill Forsyth. Scottish, mostly. It's. A magical. I'm movie. It's, it's magical. It's great. I seen it. Mark Knopfler did the music from uh, Dire Straits. It's just, it's great. It's just about a businessman going to this tiny little village in Scotland, and he kind of falls in love with it, and he feels so bad for the locals because his business is going to sort of take over the village and oh. change it. But he's actually the one who is changed. Oh, that's a good kind like of movie. That. And it's just a, it's just a sweet little movie. Like yeah. it's just it's just one of those films that just like just the feel of it is so great. Yeah, yeah you're just, just transported and you just believe in the and there's this little bit of magic in it. Just a Ooh. tiny little bit of magic. And he starts believing it and I just can't tell you how wonderful it is. I'm it's a lot of great. Movie. It's just got a lot of great touches and details too. Little bits that kind of recur. The motorcyclist that constantly zooms by on the street. Right. And there's just little things that you, as you watch it. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a great little movie. I'm in. Ooh, I love finding out about new happy yeah. and all the old men standing around on the dock and the the girl, the punk rock girl right. with the pink hair or something has a baby and somebody said who's the father and all the old men kind of turn and look away. Oh. Embarrassed. Oh. It's a bunch of old guys. It's a Scottish village. And they're all kind of oh looking gosh. at the ground. It's this quick little shot. It's hilarious. <laughs> and it's one of Burt Lancaster's last roles. And yeah. he's great in it. And uh, I've always been a big fan of Burt Lancaster. I got, worked at Video Store for years, so I really got into his movies and read a couple of his autobiographies and things like that, too. Just fascinating life and a lot of great stuff. And Peter Rieger is one of my favorite actors. You're putting too, shame so. to my Tori Spelling biography reading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Burt Lancaster versus How Tori I Spelling. I've fallen. Uh, for me, as far as recurring, I saw a lot. I would, I was a, like a theater rat kid. I would go and see things over and over and over again because it wasn't that expensive for me. You know, as a kid, that's what I used my allowance towards. But I remember when I was really little, I for some reason loved Popeye with Robin Williams. That oh, movie. Oh yeah, and um, what's her face, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. So and it was strangely a Robert Altman movie. But that's uh, so weird. It's that weird movie. That I just that. saw that movie for the first time at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I am overwhelmed by how weird that movie is. Well, it's really weird because it's based on like a comic strip and stuff, but it's got the Altman feel where there's yeah. all these people talking over each other. And it's, you know, it's more about like the tableau picture and the environment as opposed to like indi- the individual dialogue. Yeah. And, moments. and but, it's sort of disturbing. 
Yeah. Just the feel is like, ooh. Yeah, Robert Altman makes movies like if you had a dream about Popeye. Right. Exactly. right. It'd be like that. <laughs> it'd be like yeah. that. And you'd wake up going, whoa, whoa. If you had like a glass of whiskey and fell asleep <laughs> yeah. thinking about Popeye. <laughs> so I saw that bunches, and I know for a fact that I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit five times when it came whoa. out. Whoa. I was obsessed with that movie when it came out. Because it was mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Like this, the, the whole technology, the technology with the it. cartoons and stuff and, mm-hmm. and just I, mean, I thought it was incredibly entertaining yeah yeah this is back when technology could blow our minds like right yeah for us when we first saw yep. star wars and um the first time they when animation like beauty and the beast the Ooh. animation suddenly yeah. was not 3d but what would you say it had perspective it you could yeah. like yeah. go in yep. and you, you didn't know they could do that with animation yet and now animation is completely unable to blow my mind. I mean, I mean, yeah. like technology can't right. do it anymore. Yeah. No, what else? I'm just like watching yeah. technology can now. Can you do it all now? You know, I was thinking, I remember yeah. seeing Jurassic Park when it came out, like at a midnight screening. And like at that time, the creature work. No, that, that was, creature work holds up. It does. But it's like amazing. at the time, like it was yeah. like it nothing was. I had seen. It was like and, real and dinosaurs. Because they really moved so well. Yeah. They so moved real. well. And the sound, like we were just testing new like Dolby surrounds and stuff like that in the theater. So like the actual roars of the T-Rex and yeah. the Raptors, things were like incredibly overwhelming and shocking and just really immersive. Well, it's like what you said a second ago. Now we are watching technology more yeah. than that. It feels like the heart's been sucked out of a lot of things. Yeah, so and, I, and I think, oh, in. you know, am I just the wrong age for this? And I'm getting cranky and I'm going, oh, okay, special effects, boring. I don't know if it's just me or no, it's if not. everyone's getting sort of desensitized. I think everyone's yeah. getting desensitized, and that's why they're trying to, like... It's like they're making the movies for, backwards. We right. can do this now, so let's do a story about that and then, because or we can do it. not even pick the story first. Just be like, hey... I've got this idea for this effect we can use. <laughs> Let's yeah. get these pretty people and then figure out a story on the fly right. instead yeah. of the, the art only, of it. The only thing I will say that I'm excited about, at least in home video technology now, is that almost all TVs are widescreen and thus the movies come out how they were shot. Yeah, you can see that. Because yes. yeah, the pan that and scan nice. drove me crazy. Even as a kid, like I could tell when a computer was manipulating the image to go back and forth. Baby Cole, very particular I, yeah, about was, his uh, viewing aspect ratio. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I know people used to complain about when things were letterboxed on a yeah. normal TV because of the black bars at the top. And people mm-hmm. actually thought they would return videos to the store and say, like, it's cut off the top and the bottom of the movie. And I'm like, no, actually, what it's doing is preserving the, how the movie was shot. You are angry today, oh Cole. You're in an angry place. When it's in a place. small TV. He was like the hostile the video clerk. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you didn't like never that movie? Go to the I never mad about it. But it's just, it's just like I had to explain to people over and over again. Like, no, it's not. They didn't cut the movie, the picture in half. You're not missing the top and the bottom. In fact, you're seeing the whole Aww. thing. Whereas before, you were getting the sides cut off, but you didn't realize it. Anywho, okay, um, let's do my questions, let's do your shall questions. we? I'm going to give you five questions that are uh, some trivia about some of the things you've worked on. And oh. I will give you clues if you can't figure them okay. out. Okay. Yeah. Really good clues. Uh, it's just we'll give some goofy little things out of these. So here we go. Number one, you played Stephanie on the hit comedy Newhart. The opening credits featured footage from outtakes from what beloved early 80s drama? You might not even know this. What? Smaller than a lake. They didn't actually shoot, like, a lot of the, f- the foliage footage and stuff like that. They you just use outtakes from a movie. From On Golden Pond? Yep. Yeah. That's it. Did not know that. Yep. And I guess Got if it. you look closely enough, you can see um, Fonda and Hepburn in the car. Oh. Wow. Crazy, right? Uh, all right, number two. You appeared in three different incarnations of The Love Boat. Mm-mm-mm. What were the three different incarnations called? You want the title? Of just the series that they were at the time. Obviously, oh. one of them is the love boat. And then so there's then there's two left. Two different ones. Wow. I went on a cruise in Alaska, 
and that was the regular love boat. And right. then I did an episode that was shot on land here. Patrick Nick- McNee played my jewel thief uncle. Oh, I thought it was classic role. way cool to work with Patrick McNee. <gasps> That's great. But uh, okay, I don't February fourteenth. February fourteenth. Love la- Valentine. Uh huh. And then you're going on a trip, but it's like a maiden voyage. So one of them is the love boat, a Valentine voyage. A Valentine voyage. And then there's one more. Okay, and then. And then I went with my husband, who played my husband, and Aww. my daughter and my mom, and we went to the Caribbean on a love boat cruise. And the first time I water passes, it it's boring, but after that is the, after the first is the... Huh? I'll just give it to you. Oh. Uh, the, love <laughs> boat, <laughs> the love boat, the second wave. Oh, I wasn't giving a good okay. clue. There you go. Those were hard for me. To I know. Put on. Uh, question three. You played Maggie Campbell in the first season of Baby Talk. The show's theme song was a slightly altered version of what 1964 hit? Absolutely no idea. Um, oh, oh, like maybe like you would say comedy is my. That's, that's really bad. Horrible. That's a terrible. Okay, clip. that's horrible. Um, it's wheat. What what is wheat made into in a loaf? Bread. And then you pour cow milk that's been creamed around on it. Bread pudding? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Bread and butter. That was a really good clue. Oh, bread and butter. <laughs> I like bread you know, and I never, I barely even watched it. I watched it a couple of times after I was replaced. Really? After the second season, yeah. Just to see what was going on? Mm-hmm. Do you like to watch yourself? And she's a and very things? good actress, Mary Page Keller, who replaced me, so... Uh, do I like to watch myself? Yeah. I don't like is a strong word. Do you love it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you I, feel like you learned I from it? I squirm or? and hope it's better than I thought it was. Yeah. I do what everybody else does. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I do that thing where I'm just like, okay, that was an embarrassing. We'll see the next scene. Okay, I didn't embarrass myself there. Not embarrassed in that scene. Oh, like, and there like it is. I'm not embarrassed by it. And you think or, maybe you'll learn something by watching, but you don't. Yep. You just squirm. All right, question Ooh, four. You played Princess Ariel in the offbeat CBS fantasy comedy Wizards and Warriors. Blah, 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 blah. Question continues on the second page. What was the name of the kingdom in which it all took place? No idea. I can't even clue that. It's kind of a boat, sort of. It's sort of like a kind <laughs> of really. sailboat. Uh, Camarand. I wouldn't have gotten Cameron, that. Camarand, I, I never would have gotten that. All right, this one I think you'll have some fun with. Question five. Your first credit is for the soap opera Love of Life. Where you met your husband, Jerry uh-huh. Lacey. The love of your life. Uh-oh. Oh. You played Jerry Braley, but what was Jerry's, uh, what was your husband's character's name on the show? And he was the fifth actor to play this role. Oh. Um, was he Rick? Yeah. He was Rick. Okay. Rick Latimer. Uh, I just looked at the cast for Love of Life. It was around for a long time. A ton of amazing actors yeah, have appeared on nuts. that show. I'm just going to risk a couple of them off. Roy Scheider, Bonnie Bedelia, Jessica Walter, Francis Sternhagen, Raul Julia, Ray Wise, Beatrice Strait, Marsha Mason, Dana Delaney, and Christopher Reeve have mm-hmm. all appeared on Love of Life. Yeah, well, Chris, Marsha, and Ray were all on the show when Jerry was on the show. And oh, we saw, wow. We saw a lot of them. That was a very close cast, and yeah. they hung out a lot. Very fun group. That's and awesome. really talented. Yeah, no kidding. Now you have to answer some really difficult questions from me. Okay. Have you ever met an Olsen twin? <laughs> I don't think so. 
Okay, you probably haven't. I know you would remember. I'm sure I would. It would be a special thing. I didn't write this one down, but I was wondering if you knew that you were one degree away from my future second husband. You worked, I believe, on Wizards of Waverly Place. Yes. And you had something to do with Miss Ashley Tisdale. Oh, wait a minute. This will come to me. I was on a Disney show, and Ashley was on it. Oh, The Sweet Life. Oh, is that? Okay, yes. there it is. And Ashley has been romantically linked to the girlfriend, but um, I'm sure you know there's nothing going on between them, right? You know, the you, show you had keep, just started, okay. and... But you keep in touch she with She was Ashley. very, very young. <laughs> I haven't seen her since then. She was quite young and very sweet when I worked with her, but... But obviously not a match for Zac Efron, right? They're totally incompatible. Wow. Right. There you go. Okay. Okay, yeah. okay yes. <laughs> Nailed it. In fact, I remember thinking to myself... <laughs> that would never work. She's totally incompatible. <laughs> Vanessa, with you him. realize every single one of these podcast episodes can be used as evidence against you. In, in if, his case, if, if I'm ever taken to court. you're taken to court by Zach Efron mm. for stalking. Bring it on, Zachy. We'll have a courtroom romance. A lot of great things happen like that. Wait, aren't you married? Yeah, by second husband. Okay, we'll so, but Efron. in the divorce proceedings... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh is this a no-fault state? This could be used against you also. Oh, gosh. Okay. We're going to have to delete our database. <laughs> so what happened to all our podcast episodes? Nothing. So Nothing. Zach Efron. Okay. Um, you have angered a wizard, and you must choose from these two punishments. You either lose the ability to speak, and you have to sing everything forever, anything you say, sweet nothings to your husband, or at the bank, it doesn't matter, or... Whenever you hear music of any kind, so someone's playing it or you're listening to it, applesauce dribbles out of your nose. Which punishment? Mm -hmm. I'll take the applesauce and carry Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) Or a spoon. Or just open your mouth. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Have a nice little... How bad can that be? Jutted out posture. That's what I would choose, too. I think that might have been a simple question. What would would you choose? I think I would just sing. Yeah? Yeah. The thing is, you could avoid music a lot of times. So it's like, if you right. knew you were going, That's you'd true. be like, I'm just not going to eat yeah. before, and I will fill up on applesauce. Yeah, and I'm not a good enough singer, unless that came along with like a really great singing voice. Yeah. But no, it just comes like this. Yeah. Like, you could just say, hey, honey, what you want for breakfast? Mm. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> and now, you and a loved one of your choice are granted, so it could be husband, son, friend, anything you want. Either a two-week trip to anywhere of your liking in the world, all expenses, everything, or for two days, you get to be any animal together with your human brain inside the animal. No, I'll take the trip. Really? I keep doing yep. different versions of this question, waiting trip. for someone no to No one's be like, ever going to pick the animal, Vanessa. Uh, I don't... You, okay, let me just paint a picture. You, what, what's your favorite animal? Well, I mean, obviously, it would be cool to be a bird and to fly. But then you couldn't fly anymore, and you would know what it was like to fly. Oh. And that would suck. That's, that's much, a great point. That's that is a great sadder. point. That is the most poignant anyone's ever gotten with this question. Then all I would want to do would is be to go fly, to and I couldn't. So. But imagine this. Do you like dogs? Oh, I love dogs. You and your husband are dogs together for two days. But sniffing each other's... You, you have your human brain. You don't have to do that. You get to cuddle like dogs. Uh, but you're, still, you're still a dog, though. You're going to still do the things that a dog would do. Well, but you have your human brain. So, yes, you'll poop like a dog, but that doesn't mean you won't want to wipe. 
But how <laughs> would you wipe without the opposable thumb? I don't know. Okay, so there's I some issues to this, but I think there could be nothing better than turning into a dog with a loved one for two days. I can think of a couple things better. I know Going to London for two weeks, all expenses paid. Yeah, uh, being a puppy, wagging your tail. Fade. You okay. need to ask Zach, Zach Efron what he would choose. This could be our ultimate question mm-hmm. because if he answers this, I mean, it'll find out if we're compatible. I know we're compatible. What am I saying? <laughs> Look, <laughs> otters are cute, but I'll spend two weeks in New York. Okay, <laughs> I'm mad about this. Um, oh, I heard you're in rehearsals right now for an exciting new play that you wrote co-starring your husband, Goldie Hawn, and Norm MacDonald. And I was just wondering um, what the play was about. (laughs) 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 This is one way you have to think on your feet. I'm supposed to come up with what this play would be about. It is about. It's happening. You, husband, (laughs) Goldie Hawn, Norm MacDonald. Okay, so two couples Mm -hmm. and... um, uh, okay, it's all about my character. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the funny lines and the heart-wrenching crying scene at the end. Ooh. The tour de force monologue. Perfect. Tony Nam. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what it's about. Everybody walks around behind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good. That's my play. And this is your last question. Are you ready? Uh-huh. The network is rebooting New Newhart, but with a whole new cast in different roles, into the roles. Who would you uh, help cast? Because you get to be brought in on these casting sessions. <laughs> you can't call it Newhart and not use Bob. So we'll, yeah. see, we'll still use Bob. It's still Bob. Okay. But everybody else everyone is else. recast. Oh, God. That's the hardest question in the world. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I cannot even fathom. I wouldn't even want to be in it. All right, we'll give you a flip to this. Okay. The alternate to this question oh, is... Oh, yeah. Cole made this one up, too. I couldn't think of a fifth one. The network's guys. bringing back Newhart for a six-episode miniseason. Same cast, everything. Where are they now, and what would happen over those six episodes? Well, first of all, the cast is all alive then. Yes. Yep. We, okay, Tom's that would be here. cool all by itself. Right. right. And uh, so where would we be, and what would we be doing? Yeah. All these years are supposed to have passed yep. since we were at the end. Um, I'd say that we're still at the inn and it's crumbling (laughs) and George drinks heavily. (laughs) Bob's off in New York a lot because one of his books sold and he became famous. Joanna still looks gorgeous, of course. (laughs) And, um, Michael and I have broken up and I'm married to a movie star. Ooh. Zach Efron. <gasps> and then oh, yeah, you've gone too far. And he's jealous. And the show is all about me, and I have all the funny lines, and then I have the heartbreaking monologue at the end. It's the tour de force. You've got a real handle nice. on show brands. Yeah, there you go. Now, do uh, Larry, his brother Daryl, and his other brother Daryl show up from time to time? They do not. <laughs> Times have changed. Gold. They just don't. They've, they moved on. We've the joke's been done. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Julia. And hey, you you're welcome. Some cool things coming up. That's too. right. Uh, you uh, often guest on the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which yes, at Largo, which is yep. the first. Oops, Friday, Saturday, Friday of every month. Sorry, they started at Embar, and now I forget if it's yeah. the yep. same schedule. I've done it at both Embar and Largo. My husband and I play the parents of Sparks, Nevada, so Marshall awesome. on Mars, mm. which is very Mark fun. Mark Evan Jackson's character. Yeah. 
Yes. Go any month and every month. It is the best. It show. is so much it's fun. You vibe. absolutely can't have that kind of fun anywhere else. Nope. There's nothing like it. And you get to get all duded up. I love the way the audience like looks great. It feels like an, you're having this experience. Everybody looks gorgeous, and it's just like you're being transported. You dress up like it's a 1940 show. Oh. Yeah, I it's love great. it. It's great. And it's always packed and yep. the audience is always oh, really into it. And the guest stars it. are amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. always it's, and it's only like 25 bucks. I mean, yeah. come on. Go people. Do it. I know. Uh and also uh your son Danny uh does uh improv and sketch with uh the Mohos, which is Fred Willard's mm-hmm. sketch group in Hollywood. Which is so awesome, by and, the way. And their next show cuz I don't think I can count tonight. You're yeah. not going to rush this onto the airwaves. No, we don't call them airwaves. Oh, yeah, we do. We call them modems or something. (laughs) Uh, Um, I think it's October 4th. Awesome. And And it's going to be at Second City? They're using Second City's theater, yes. Great. And you can check that out at mohoscomedy.com. And moho is M-O-H-O with an S. Mohos. Mohos. Uh, and it's and f- if you haven't seen Fred, Fred steps in with them every once in a while, too. Oh, no. He's in every show. Yeah, oh, is he? Is yeah. Every show? All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely go see it because Fred's awesome. Uh, yeah. He's been a big uh, friend to the festival I run, SF Sketch Fest. He took a chance on us in our second year. So thanks, Fred. Well, you should have these guys at the next Sketch Fest. I think yeah. We just made. Mohos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, well, thanks, uh, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for being here, Julia. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at PMC Podcast. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. Okay, what if you don't do Twitter like me? You say, I don't do Twitter. I mean, how and do, then do I follow the podcast? Toss the table. Well, you can find us at popmyculturepodcast.com. Or on oh, iTunes, you okay. can subscribe. Yeah. That's right. This Twitter thing, it's like, I don't know how I, it, how much can you tweet and do this kind of promotional stuff and still make fun of the kardashians i mean i think you lose your it's a fine balance it's a fine balance you start to become them and then you really can't make fun of them anymore and so i'm afraid to go there yeah i have these problems where i think of funny things a few days in a row and then i haven't said anything on there for like a week because i get into that mode of nothing matters and then you get into a conversation at a party or something and you had a great line about this current thing that's happening in the news but you used it already on Twitter. Yeah, and, and now you get to see the live kind of reaction. Trashy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just try to think of it as like I have to say at least three funny things before I can do any sort of promotional thing on there. Yeah. So to I got to make it. it worthwhile for people to follow me and then be like, oh, and go check out my podcast, please. Thank you. Love you. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna hold out for now. Hold out. I'll listen to your podcast on my old-fashioned computer. You can listen to it on a rotary phone. <laughs> You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Julia. You're welcome. Toodaloo. Bye. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.